top 10 takeaways. Off we go. And boy, did we have a great game. Oh, the NFL really treated us. 39-37. The takeaways start with Buccaneers at Texans. And you might think, oh, talk about C.J. Stroud and, and how high we have to push him up in Dynasty. And I certainly will. Uh, but before we do that, of course, we need to talk about one Rashad White. Rashad White, Rashad White, Rashad White, Rashad White. Ooh, baby. He's pretty good. Anyone that was doubting Rashad White, and there were many doubters. In fact, I think most fantasy gamers were doubters of Rashad White throughout the season. Eat it! Rashad White dance party! Yeah! It's happening! It's been happening all year. This guy's amazing. He's a receiver! But he's also a running back! Love this guy in shootouts. Love this guy in the red zone. Love Rashad White. Rashad White, Rashad White, Rashad White. Thank you, Rashad White. For reminding everybody that in fantasy football, efficiency in the receiving game is much more important than efficiency between the tackles. No, he's not the best between the tackles. Will his yards per carry eclipse 4-0 this year? Probably not. That's because the Buccaneers' offensive line is bottom 10. They were even worse last year with all those injuries. And that's that's been the big red flag on the Rashad White profile all along, which is, hey, between the tackles, he's not efficient, and that's okay. If that hopefully, eventually, convinces the Buccaneers to bring in a more efficient grinder between the tackles, like a Jamal Williams-type running back, please, by all means, bring in a Jamal Williams, give him 10 carries between the 20s, and let Rashad White be maximum efficient everywhere else, especially in the passing game, and he's going to go ahead and give you 27 fantasy points like he did. Anytime it's a shootout, Rashad White is is going to is going to put up points. In fact, it if you look back through the week by week by week, he's only produced. Has he blown the doors off like he did last week? No. But most weeks Rashad White's going to give you that nice floor. Hey, this is 12 points and then anything else is a bonus because He's catching six passes for 60 yards. The guy, he did it again. 10-plus yards per reception this week. These are precious few running backs run routes down the field like wide receivers. Christian McCaffrey does it. Brees Hall does it. There's a handful of running back receivers around the league. He's one of them, which is why he's so valuable, which is why he was a steal in the seventh round. Right? Some of you actually drafted... ETN and Rashad White, ETN in the fourth round, Rashad White in the seventh round, and I get these screenshots and I get these kudos on Discord, playerprofiler.com slash chat to uh, chat with us in the Discord, uh, email podfather at rotounderworld.com. Never gets old. Never gets old. The kudos for the, the, the optimal build, Hero RB, Travis ETN, Zero RB, with Rashad White never gets old. So this is reason to celebrate. It was great process. You get a, a guy that's going to have all the touches out of the backfield and one of the best receiving running backs in the league. No matter what the offense looks like, that guy's a steal in the seventh round. It was great process. So we're all celebrating process as well as the man, 
that is Rashad White. And in Dynasty, super valuable to have a guy like this, age 24, and he's not going anywhere. No matter what happens with personnel, they're not going to get a better receiving running back in Tampa. So he's always going to be the best receiving running back. He's clearly just a stud athlete in general. Okay, so now we know he's he's got 10 touches for the next five years locked in, and they're the most valuable touches that fantasy running backs can get. That's why we've been so far out ahead of consensus on Rashad White, especially in Dynasty. There's that insulation where if a guy is relying primarily on his between-the-tackles explosiveness, that's more fragile than one of these rare receiving running backs like Rashad White. So that was, that's just, that was the biggest relief, knowing that we had, hey, this this matchup against the Texans looks like it's going to go over, right? The the total was 40, so they, they, they put up almost 80 points between the two teams. That over was such a smash. Congratulations to all you took the over. It, the, the over there was, was simple. The thesis was simple. Neither are great defenses, okay? And... Stroud and Mayfield have been underrated this year. Every year, we we see a guy like Baker Mayfield start the majority of his team's games, and he's underrated the entire season, right? And Stroud finally, with this kind of statement game from Stroud, 470 yards, 51 fantasy points. Okay, he's that's the statement, right? That's the statement. Also interesting with Stroud. Zero rushing yards, no rushing attempts whatsoever. And but when you're throwing for five touchdowns, it's not going to matter. I would like to see him run a little more, though. I mean, eh, hey, he gave him 51 fantasy points. Yeah, but eh, I would like to see a few carries. Hey, you know, he's not Josh Dobbs on the ground. That's the problem. That's the, that's the one problem. So Devin Singletary, that's not that. That's uh, four points. How does your team score 39 points? And you're a bell cow running back, and you put up four fantasy points. That's a riddle. Like, how is that even possible? I know how. You're Devin Singletary. You're an undersized, slow satellite back that doesn't catch passes. That's how, right? I mean, excuse me. He did catch two passes for zero yards, okay? So he's not big. He's not explosive. He's not a downfield route runner like Rashad White. So it was, it was a great game to watch. If you watched Singletary, you're like, oh, this is what we don't want. And then you can see with White, oh, this is what we do want in fantasy football. And Stroud is so phenomenal. And he's just rocketing up our Dynasty rankings. Check our Dynasty rankings out, playerprofile.com. Click on the Dynasty rankings, and you'll be pleasantly surprised with where C.J. Stroud is, the, the number of uh, players he's overtaken. And the next, I mean... Joe Burrow's next. Like, he's just knocking on the door. I know you're crazy. It's crazy. He's not going to over... No. He's not going to overcome Burrow yet. Right? But Stroud surpassing Burrow in the next year and a half. Very possible. Very... But but he needs to run a little more. He needs to... If he's he's tactically scrambling, he's giving you three to five rushing touchdowns, and he's remaining this consistent... Then you got to love Stroud doesn't have an alpha receiver. I know Nico Collins. Yeah, Nico Collins is like a cardboard cutout alpha because he's 220 pounds and he's 6'4. So he has that Michael Pittman size, but he doesn't command targets like Michael Pittman. He's not nearly as efficient as Michael Pittman. And in a game where 
the quarterback throws for 470 yards. For Nico Collins to only put up 54 yards and only five targets, that's a red flag. That's not good. I mean, he was dominated by Noah Brown. The fact that C.J. Stroud is this prolific with a journeyman wide receiver in Noah Brown, a guy that barely played in college and has been kicked around the league, Dalton Schultz, who is you know, one of the least impressive move tight ends to be fantasy relevant in many years, right? As soon as the pressure is on, a guy like Dalton Schultz, big moments in the playoffs, he folds, he can't get upfield, right? He can't he can't drag his foot, right? When they're when they're trying to run the two minute drill, he was the reason why the Cowboys lost, or at least the reason why the Cowboys couldn't come back was like, no, he he couldn't actually get the first down. No, he couldn't actually uh, keep his feet in bounds in a situation where almost every other tight end in the league would have been able to drag that second foot. Dalton Schultz is not an impressive player. That's just, he's not. He's he's not athletic, right? He's just a guy who happens to be in the move tight end spot. And if he has an absolute epic quarterback performance powering him, he can get to 100. I can't even believe it. Like that is the, that is the great accomplishment of CJ Stroud. He somehow got Noah Brown to 153 yards and Dalton Schultz to 130 yards. So the fact, okay, so here, this is it. 283 yards between Noah Brown and Dalton Schultz. That's one of the great accomplishments in the history of the quarterback position. Then he also was able to power Tank Dell, Nathaniel Dell, to over 100 yards and two touchdowns, and Nathaniel Dell is 5'5". Okay, so Tank Dell, a 5'5 receiver, went over 100 yards. So now you do the math. Now we're close to 400 yards. Okay, right. 397 receiving yards from a journeyman, a baseline talent, and Mighty Mouse, right? A mouse. So that, that right there, that's why C.J. Stroud is already knocking on the door. Hello? Hello, is Joe Burrow there in Dynasty, in the Dynasty rankings? Hey, Joe, might have some company. And and again, all that, so 11 targets for Dell, 11 targets for Schultz, six targets for Noah Brown, only five for Nico Collins. In the face of this epic performance, it's Nico Collins and it's Devin Singletary who should be ashamed of themselves. Who <laughs> have... <laughs> who have been exposed, right? This is how replacement-level players get exposed in the face of truly special performances. And that's just one game. That's just the most epic game, the game everyone's talking about. There's a lot of other games, and I have a lot of other takes on these games, and we'll get into it after this. This episode brought to you by Mojo. Mojo is that player stock market. We love Mojo because we like making lifetime bets on players. You run out the clock on these guys. Mojo just rolled out a brand new fantasy platform. That's right. So now you can build a portfolio of player props. Oh, Jamar Chase over 77.5. Oh, Kadarius Tony under 15.5. Whatever the under is on Kadarius Tony, doesn't matter. You can just stack up the props 
in your portfolio. And the beauty is once the Sunday games kick off, it's not over. It's not over until it's over with Mojo because once those games kick off, you can then move in and out of positions. Let's say that you're well ahead of expectations. You can cash out. Let's say you're behind expectations. You're underwater. Well, you can double down. That's what makes Mojo so special, why they're different. Check it out. Go to the App Store, get the Mojo app, and use the promo code UNDERWORLD. The promo code UNDERWORLD gets you a 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. So the promo code is UNDERWORLD, and they will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Go to Mojo, start building your portfolio, and then during the games, you can be a fantasy day trader. There were other games. There were other games on the slate. Washington played New England. So we, we like to kick it off with the most exciting game. And then we take a step back and we do some housekeeping. Make sure to acknowledge that there were other games that were not nearly as interesting and teams that no one cares about. But there are takeaways from all games, right? Takeaways from all games. So, you know, takeaway number 13, right? Because we're going to have... Well, more than 10 takeaways. We always do. Let's say takeaway 13 is Sam Howell's going to get there no matter what. This was another one of those performances that didn't necessarily light up the fantasy point tally. But in the context of the matchup, it was incredibly impressive that Sam Howell went out and gave you well over 300 yards against the Patriots. The Patriots, all they have is Ramadre Stevenson. Ramadre Stevenson's it, right? The law of the conservation of touches tells you that with no Kendrick Bourne, with just Demario Douglas and Juju Smith-Schuster, a broken Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, a, a washed Hunter Henry, what do you have left? What's the one player that can go out and actually do something special in the football field? Ramondre Stevenson. So the law of the conservation of touches says that especially when a team is going to face a below average defense, right? And now Washington traded Chase Young, they have one of the worst secondaries in the league. That running back, even if that team doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, is just going to get so many touches, right? And Stevenson, what do you get? 15 touches, but had close to a 10.0 yards per carry, had a 64 yard run, scored a touchdown. When you are good at football, and you can break tackles, and he's not that explosive, but he's a tackle breaker, right? And he's got great soft hands in the in in the receiving game. Sometimes that's enough. That's enough. You just need that, a couple special traits, and the touches. Just when there's one special guy left in an offense, you can put your your chips down on that guy. That's the lesson from this game with Ramondre Stevenson, and that Sam Howell is able to give you adequate streaming fantasy points against a team that just wants to drag the game into the mud was an incredible sign. And I know everyone's like, oh, Jahan Dotson's back. Jahan Dotson. Curtis Samuel didn't play. There's no evidence, none, that Jahan Dotson's better than Curtis Samuel. Okay, And if you watch the game, yes, Jahan Dotson looks shifty. But when you actually look at the numbers... Byron Pringle was more efficient, right? Byron Pringle was better. He didn't command as many targets, but he was much better with the targets that, that he got. And so if you're not separating yourself 
in the advanced metrics from Byron Pringle and the reason why you're productive and the correlation of your productivity this season has been directly tied to is Curtis Samuel in the game, then no, I'm not ready to say, oh, Jahan Dotson's a player I need to be trading for in seasonal leagues or in dynasty. This is a player I need to be monitoring. I need to be really interested in this player. This is, this is a buy low opportunity. No, no. Michael Pittman, though. Michael Pittman has been my buy low, my number one trade target in all formats all year. What did he do? Eight for eight. And he did that after coming back from which was one of the, the bigger hits you're going to see all year. Was he concussed? Yes. Yes. I believe Michael Pittman played with a concussion and that there's no guarantees he's going to play this week. So this is a player I would monitor. We've seen very, very few, precious few players get concussed and then play the following week. It's one of the the evolutions, the positive evolutions of the NFL. They seem to care more about player health and safety, especially when it comes to brain function. Finally, finally, how many movies need to be made, documentaries need to be made about ALS and, and the dangers of, you know, repeated constant concussions. And finally, they're wearing these padded helmets in practice. Finally, they're not letting these guys play after getting completely lit up the previous week. No guarantees Pittman plays this week. I love seeing not only he was 8 for 8, Jonathan Taylor was 5 for 5. Between them, they were 13 for 13. Studs are going to stud. Studs are going to stud. Guys like Alec Pierce aren't good. I know you can hope that they're going to get opportunities. Oh, Josh Downs' knee injury, he's going to be out. Alec Pierce, no. Just because a guy is getting thrust into a starting role doesn't necessarily mean He's going to produce, especially at the wide receiver position. So I'm, I'm not playing a bunch of Alec Pierce this week. No, no. Someone else. You could get someone else. will. I'm sure there's plenty of guys. There's going to be plenty of, hey, Alec Pierce is, is, is strategically a great option this week. And uh, no, you know, the waiver wire. I'm sure there's going to be some waiver wire columns with uh, with Alec Pierce now, in DFS, everyone's being saved by the fact that the Colts are playing in Germany at 9.30, right? But I can promise you, I can promise you, there'd be a lot of exposure to Alec Pierce in, 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 in many more of these you know, uh, DFS tournaments, these GPPs. You, you, you'd see an inordinate amount of Alec Pierce if that game, Colts-Patriots, Week 10, was on the main slate. But it's not. And, and unfortunately not, right? Because then we could take advantage, us, we could take advantage of having lower exposure to Alec Pierce. But no, sadly, no. Gardner Minshew, 127 yards, okay? And this was after C.J. Stroud was strangled by this defense. The Carolina defense is dirty, and they play the Bears this Thursday night. And so my advice is, do not play DJ Moore. This is a, a week to bench DJ Moore. DJ Moore is not a player, no matter who the quarterback is. The Tom Savage corollary tells you, you play the alpha receiver no matter what. Because if it's Tyson Badgett, that's fine. He's going to be more likely to zero in on his primary receiver. And, and so the targets will go up. The efficiency goes down. But DJ Moore will still produce. Okay. When it's the Carolina defense... And Tyson Badgett will struggle to get to 100 yards. 
even in deeper leagues, I'm going to be benching DJ Moore. Just not playing him. Not playing DJ Moore. You'd have to get down to like Alec Pierce for me to play DJ Moore. And keep riding Chuba Hubbard. It's only going to it's only going up from here for Chuba. Unfortunately, this is a bad team and bad teams don't score a lot of touchdowns, but Chuba Hubbard has seized that starting job. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for Chuba. Thrilled for you. Know, Jerome Ford and Chuba Hubbard were two of my favorite handcuff backs, sleeper running backs in the double digit rounds. Though Reddit was upset, right, that I had Chuba on my list, but not Zach Charbonnet. Remember? Remember that? Remember how mad Reddit was? Well, ah, man. As it turns out, as it turns out, Kenneth Walker is a hell of a lot better than Miles Sanders Reddit, and Chuba Hubbard is better than Zach Charbonnet because Zach Charbonnet is running a lot of routes. He's out snapping Kenneth Walker, and yet I'm looking up, and he's got one target. So Chuba Hubbard better than Zach Charbonnet, and Zach Charbonnet is the antithesis of Rashad White. It's like, hey, this guy is a satellite back with size, but he actually can't command targets down the field. So I would say more of a fake Rashad White, right? So the fakest possible Rashad White is Zach Charbonnet. Dak Prescott has been rebooted. They rebooted him. He's now putting up 300-yard games regularly. We love it. CeeDee Lamb, close to 200 yards. We love it. He's also finding Jalen Tolbert. See, Jalen Tolbert went to a small school, okay? So Jalen Tolbert, Southern Alabama, right? Makes it to the league, doesn't understand half the plays in the playbook. It's never seen an offense nearly this sophisticated. It's going to take him a year and eight games to get acclimated to the speed of the NFL and just to understand where to be intuitively on the football field. Now you look up, oh, he was a dominant college receiver, like 99th percentile dominator rating, as athletic as Michael Gallup, and now he's out-targeting Michael Gallup. Hmm. Hmm. And he's a lot younger. Hmm. Hmm. So I love it when dominant college receivers, especially from small schools that take time, you end up just running out the clock on these guys, and you look up, and oh, man, it turns out the guy that was good at football in college took a minute, and now he's good at football in the NFL. And everybody just wrote him off, just dumped him off their taxi squad in Dynasty, and shame on you. Shame on all of you that did that. And all of us, Jalen Tolbert truthers, unite. Unite. Lock arms, unite. And again, we're always trading for Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman's always the best trade target wide receiver. And now at running back, it's no longer Rashad White. You want to trade for DeAndre Swift. Because I looked up, and actually, DeAndre Swift hasn't scored 14 or more fantasy points in a game since week one. So, man, he must be playing bad, right? No, he's playing great, right? He's one of those rare players, those rare running backs that can actually operate as a receiver. He's just been getting stopped at the one-yard line. He's been the most unlucky running back in the league. And now Dallas Goddard is out. And they're going to deploy him more creatively. They're probably going to they're going to see more Gainwell, but you're also going to see more Swift. The law of the conservation of touches. Certainly, there's going to be a few more targets go to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, but the biggest beneficiary is DeAndre Swift. So DeAndre Swift is 
Just He is the trade target. Trade deadline's coming up in a lot of leagues. Get DeAndre Swift. He's the number one trade target overall. You got to get him. He's on the right team, right? They score a lot of points, great offensive line. They're losing key players, so the targets are consolidating, and he just happens to operate in that Dallas Goddard area of the field. It's perfect. It's just so this is the time to get DeAndre Swift. I couldn't believe that he hasn't done anything since week one. Perfect. Love it. And uh, Miami hasn't done anything against teams with winning records. You notice this? Notice this? Remember we talked about be careful with Miami? Why don't just wait until they beat a team with a winning record? Like It doesn't count if all your blowouts are against Carolina. Come on, man. Like, beat a good team. And they haven't yet. So just, they feel like such an unstoppable franchise. Yet, the Dolphins have yet to beat a winning team. And they were down 21-0 against the Chiefs. That was supposed to be a good game. And it was. Close. Was it a good game? No. No. And the red flag player in that game, Isaiah Pacheco. If you're up 21-0 at the half, and you're an explosive runner, and you're the clear workhorse back... You gotta give you something more than six fantasy points. Six, no catches, no touchdowns, no breakaway runs. This is the danger. This is the danger in elevating a player. Isaiah Pacheco is a seventh round pick. He is explosive. He is the clear workhorse back on one of the best offenses in the league. But you can't get out over your skis acquiring this guy in Dynasty, for example, because. These games are concerning. Jarek McKinnon outproduced him in fantasy, and they're up 21-0. Just let that sink in. That's it's not good. I love Pacheco. I love late round picks. I love guys that were team captains, right? He's gonna be around for a long time. I can almost guarantee you they're gonna extend him because they love him, because he's such a hard worker and he's such a team player, such a culture fit. But they're throwing to Jarek McKinnon when they're throwing to running backs. And I hate that. I hate, You can't celebrate Rashad White and then turn around and go, yeah, but you, you also got to love Pacheco. You got to believe in Pacheco. No, no, I have a type. And Pacheco isn't it. I respect all the, 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 the path and that he is going to be a productive player, but that he's dudding out when they're up 21-0 is awful. It's absolutely awful, and it's it's a reason to be cautious. And you that is not it feels like a player you might want to acquire because he's still young and he's he, like the Chiefs love him. I say, do not buy low. Do not try to trade for Isaiah Pacheco. I know again the workload looks great, but I need to see a game, just a game, just a game with five targets, a game where. They decide, okay, we don't need Jarek McKinnon. That would be nice. I just would like to see that game. Amari Cooper feasting on bad defenses. I mean, this was such a cliche week. It was almost like, I was like, hmm, let's see. They played the Cardinals, so we're going to have a big week for Amari Cooper. Okay. It was just a very, some, this is great, though. Some, we need a predictable week now and then. We're like, you know, a lot of these performances we saw coming, that's nice, right? Every week doesn't have to be complete chaos. So, again, Restoring my faith in the, the the regular heartbeat of the world, of sports, Amari Cooper feasting on a bad defense, 
But Jerome Ford actually the target leader. And uh, I think that we can officially move Marquise Brown ahead of Michael Pittman in our which wide receiver to trade for rankings. The top trade target wide receiver has got to be Marquise Brown. It's the cliche target. Everybody knows, hey, Kyler Murray's coming back. But you have enough dud performances. Some fantasy managers, they just, they get fatigued and just try to take advantage and, and, and try to scoop as much Marquise Brown as you can off fatigued fantasy gamers. So just see, what, just put the feelers out. Put them out now. Man, he had eight targets, but it wasn't going to happen with Clayton Toon. I mentioned benching DJ Moore. I would rather start Cole Kmet than DJ Moore. At least a Cole Kmet can get you a touchdown. And the opportunity cost is you know, streaming a tight end. The upside's not great. You're, you know, a guy like uh, Taysom Hill, right? Hill versus Kmet. Right when when you see that Komet's facing Carolina in a short week, then it becomes a decision. Where most receivers that you're debating whether or not to play DJ Moore or Receiver X, you're going to choose Receiver X. Cole Komet, he's on pace for 700 yards and 10 touchdowns. He is a modern day Robert Tunyon. You love the TD output, and it makes sense. DJ Moore is 5'11". Darnell Mooney's 5'9". So they have a bunch of small receivers and they have one guy that they can trust in the red zone with any kind of size. Certainly not Dante Foreman, right? They don't have a receiver out of the backfield except Roshan Johnson, who Roshan Johnson doesn't look right. Like this, I I believe that he's back, but they're they're reacclimating him slowly because I just, this was a severe concussion that he suffered and I'm not surprised that they're just not just inserting him into the starting role. It's going to take time. It's just The season's going to expire, and we're going to get very little from Roshan Johnson. Right, The two Texas running backs, Roshan Johnson, Bijan Robinson, have been two of the most disappointing rookies. And these were the two best running backs in college football. And then now this year, eh, not happening. Right, So yeah, be more likely to start Komet this week than DJ Moore. Chris Olave... He scored, gave you the touchdown. You just trust good players. If a good player is giving you unrealized air yards, is leading the league in unrealized air yards, if you know him to be good, then that's a guy you start every week, right? The the auto start of the week of any player that anyone was having questions about was Chris Olave. Good player, unrealized air yards, start him. You start him over a Puka Nakua, right? I know there's a debate. Start Puka, start Chris Olave. You start Olave. Puka Nakua, uh, three for seven, 32 yards. I really hope you traded him. I really hope you traded him when I told you to. I really, I hope you did. I hope you did. Man, this is feeling. Rashad White, 27 points. A dud from Puka Nakua. Yeah. Oh, love it. Love it. Yeah, the, the, the glass slipper. A little chipped, cracked, right? It's just not polished anymore. Oh, man, I don't know. Yeah, they, oh, he didn't have his quarterback. Well, there, there are challenges. Wide receivers in the NFL, they face challenges. So we've got, to, we've got to see some Puka production in a challenging situation, a challenging game environment, one where he has some target competition other than Van Jefferson. 
I'm excited to see that game one day, maybe, from Puka Nakua. And again, one of the most predictable performances of the week was Luke Musgrave finally going off. Like he was supposed to do this last week, and then he had, he had he had the underwhelming performance last week. But then you just trust the process. He's been a target leader multiple weeks. You know he's the most athletic tight end in this class, a class that's super athletic, super productive. When you think of this historic rookie tight end class, you think of Kincaid, and he was a total target magnet again, out-targeting Stephon Diggs. I mean, Dalton Kincaid, bravo, right? And you think of Sam Laporta being historic as a rookie, and you forget about Luke Musgrave. Any other year, we'd be thinking a lot more about Luke Musgrave and how great he's been for a rookie and for that reason, I think he's just a great trade target in Dynasty in particular. Note that Aaron Jones operating as a bell cow. Aaron Jones, 20 carries. Aaron Jones getting targets. I like it. I, I don't know why it's taken this long, but I like it. He's impossible to trust, and I need to see another week. But uh, yeah, more, please. Can I just Let's just send a message to the Packers. More, please. We know that Jordan Love is highly inaccurate down the field, so just throw to Aaron Jones and Luke Musgrave. That's the answer, right? And if Drake London is out, right? And again, I hope you traded Drake London earlier this year and you could, you could, you could reacquire him in the offseason at a lower price point. The starting Mac Holland's thesis was understandable, but it's almost always a trap, right? And in DFS, whenever we look up and we see one of these number two options that is thrust into a number one role because the starter goes down, it's a run-first team, right? Certainly, the 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 whole game outperformed the point total, right? So if you go to the Vikings-Falcons game, it was 31-28. The over-under was 38, right? So they outperformed the total by more than 20 points, okay? 38-point total. You're like, but they're, they're at home. They're playing the Vikings. There's no Drake London. We're going to be overexposed to Mac Collins, right? That is the danger. That's the danger. We, we talk about chalk wide receivers versus chalk running backs in DFS. So much more likely to play a chalk running back than a chalk D. I mean, a chalk wide receiver is especially a chalk wide receiver that's like, you know, sub 5K on DraftKings. One of the great stay away game theory moves in all of DFS is just be vastly underweight on the fringy wide receiver that everybody's playing this week because everything happens to be clicking into place for that guy. But the one thing that it's never going to click into place for Matt Collins is talent. Matt Collins has been a journeyman his whole career. He's had games like Noah Brown did this week. He's going to have weeks, but most weeks it's not going to happen. It's going to be Corderell Hodge this week. It's going to be Jonu Smith. You don't know who it's going to be. And that, and that's in a game where both teams score 38 points, right? This game crushed the over, and still, Matt Collins put up six fantasy points. If this isn't the game and the performance, the dud, to teach people once and for all to fade these chalk number two wide receivers in DFS, I don't know what will. Everyone, screenshot this box score so the next time you're tempted to just pile into the 
wide receiver that's projected to get all kinds of targets this week at $3,900, remember just to say no. Say no. Let everybody else tank hundreds, thousands of lineups with that guy, and you could just sprinkle them in here and there when you need them. Okay, you absolutely need him in a couple of, Okay, fine. But don't build your lineup around him. People build lineups around this, this like Mac Hollins. It's like, no, for the love of God. And John U. Smith, man, John U. Smith, when you go to playerprofiler.com, this is one of the reasons Player Profiler exists. Have I ever drafted Kyle Pitts in a fantasy league? No, ever. No, never, never, never. He's a tight end and he's been overrated since at one point he was going before Jamar Chase in rookie drafts. That's a thing that happened. It's a thing. It's a look it up. It's a thing that happened. You just say no. Just say no. And you pull up a guy like Jonu Smith when the Falcons sign him and go, man, I don't know. I If I'm going to draft a Falcons receiver for my fantasy league, if I'm between Pitts and London, then go and, and check out the profile page for Jonu Smith and put it next to Kyle Pitts. And like, wait a second. These guys aren't that different. They're really not. And now we're seeing they're not. They're not actually that different. Is there a huge difference between Drake London and Mac Hollins and Cordell Hodge? Of course there is. And Drake London was putting up some of the best target shares and air yard shares for a rookie we've ever seen. So the decision actually was quite easy. If you had to pick one receiver to draft on the Falcons, it was not Kyle Pitts. And now we're looking up and there goes Jonu Smith for 100 yards. It's just perfect. It's just perfect. And you know, you also didn't have to draft Bijan in the first round. I know a lot of you felt good doing it, and it, you know, it it feels really good to draft rookies, especially when you draft rookies early and you're making a statement and you're saying to the world, "I'm fearless." Look at me drafting Bijan in the first round, and people like Billy Muzio and I are shaking our heads, going, "What are people doing? What?" Right? Like, I don't understand. It was like, you're drafting Jameer Gibbs over Travis Etienne. You, so, so, let me get this straight. So, why? Well, well, theoretically, uh, especially if David Montgomery goes down, well, yeah, in, in the event of a David Montgomery injury, then Jameer Gibbs could maybe be Travis Etienne, right? And with all these receivers, think about who was going near Bijan Robinson in fantasy drafts this summer. You know who it was? You know who was adjacent to him? C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb just put up almost 200 yards. Stephon Diggs has been epic. He's been the wide receiver three this year. This was the trade-off of drafting Bijan. Made no sense. And I remember that it was like a, ooh, it was a reaction because I published my do not draft list. My running back do not draft list, right? And, or my big four do not draft list. Quinton Johnston was on there. Calvin Ridley was on there. And Bijan Robinson. It was like, Bijan Robinson? I want to draft Bijan Robinson. What do you mean don't draft Bijan Robinson? Well, uh, I'm not drafting him based on his ADP. I love Bijan Robinson like anybody else, but I hate his ADP. And I'd like to see what the Falcons are going to do this year, how their quarterback play is, how their offensive line is. Can they keep up the, the improvement from the previous year? How is the touch distribution going to shake out between Algier and 
Bijan, there's a lot of questions. So why don't we just draft Saquon Barkley instead? If you have to draft a running back in the first round, just draft Saquon Barkley instead because you're drafting Bijan Robinson hoping you're getting Saquon Barkley, just like you're drafting Jameer Gibbs before Travis Etienne, hoping you're getting Etienne. That's illogical. Never made any sense. Bijan Robinson, a total trap. Same exact touch count as Tyler Algier this week, and he was outproduced. And Algier came in in clutch situations. Mm. Mm. You hate it. I know you hate it. Alexander Madison, though. Alexander Madison, I, I said don't draft him. And as it turns out, he's now the guy, and he's going to have a, a very productive second half because he's just the guy that's there getting the touches. Cam Akers out with an Achilles, second Achilles. I mean, that's that's a Greek tragedy right there. Cam Akers is a Greek tragedy. But Josh Dobbs, right? Josh Dobbs, that's a romance. That's a Shakespearean romance, a fantasy romance. Fantasy gamers and Josh Dobbs, what do we love? Guy that's running seven times for 66 yards and a touchdown, putting up 28 fantasy points. That's what we love. That's what we love. Where I'm looking at the C.J. Stroud performance, and I'm like, man, I love it. But if you could just give me a little of that Josh Dobbs rushing love, I'd love it even more. Getting Josh Dobbs and Superflex. Everybody, just give yourself a hand. If you picked up Josh Dobbs and Superflex, Scott Fishbowl, everybody, hit the like button. Do that. Hit the like button. Subscribe. Would it just do something? If you drafted Josh Dobbs the last round at the end of the summer, or you were picking up Josh Dobbs on the waiver wire, especially in Superflex, give yourself a pat on the back. Hit the like button. Pat on the back goes to Billy Muzio, Keaton Mitchell. He liked Keaton Mitchell. Why? Because explosiveness matters for running backs. And Keaton Mitchell, he's he's a satellite back. Right, He's going to be a breather back and a satellite back, but you love to see the explosive runs, the 60-yard runs. Just all the reasons I like Pierre Strong, I also like Keaton Mitchell. It's just that Keaton Mitchell's undersized. He's never going to be a workhorse back, but you just you love to see it. I would like more NFL teams to just start players like Keaton Mitchell. That's what I want to see. That's my takeaway. NFL teams need to knock it off giving a guy like Gus Edwards 20 touches instead of giving Keaton Mitchell at least 10, right? So they'll give Edwards 20 and Mitchell 2. You shouldn't be allowed to give Gus Edwards 20 carries until Keaton Mitchell has 10. That should be the rule. That's my takeaway there. Also, Jackson Smith and Jigba is coming. Jackson Smith and Jigba, 12 fantasy points in awful situation. Just completely dominated. Geno Smith getting exposed. But his rookie across the field did nothing. It was interesting. It was interesting that Zay Flowers did nothing. I am in no way discounting Zay Flowers after this performance. Two fantasy points. Was I, I panicking about Jackson Smith and Jigba when he put up similar performances early in the year? No. It's good for the goose. It's good for the gander. Buy JSN, buy Zay Flowers. Not, you can't buy low on Zay Flowers. No one's panicking about Zay Flowers. But in a, in a theoretical world that they would be, I'd be buying Zay Flowers. But they're not. No panic allowed on Zay Flowers. Oh, Josh Jacobs will take away. We have to we have to talk about that game. That was the worst game on the slate by far and away. I mean, two horrific backup quarterbacks, DeVito and O'Connell. 
What's the takeaway there? The takeaway is a workhorse running back at home should be started no matter what. Josh Jacobs, 30 fantasy points. Why? Workhorse at home. Nothing else matters. Now, we talked about Dalton Kincaid. Another another interesting game on the slate. Great game. Great game on paper. Didn't deliver exactly that in real life. I picked the Bengals. I thought the Bengals were uh, an easy pick there. They were at home. It doesn't have to be that hard. It's just you, you want Joe Burrow at home. I don't really care who they're facing. Easy pick. The league had this team and this quarterback on the ropes. They could have stabbed the vampire dead when they had the chance, and they let him go. And now he's alive, and he's beating the Bills, and no one's allowed to be surprised when you look up and who's representing the AFC in the Super Bowl? Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And welcome back, T. Higgins. Great to see him back. I think he hasn't been healthy. So my speculation is T. Higgins has has, has been well less than 100%. He's been showing up on the injury report. Players like T. Higgins are a lot like sports cars. When they're not 100%, they do nothing. They're fickle. The, the engine doesn't run right, and you're getting nothing from them. But when everything is running well, when they're running on all cylinders, when everything's clicking, T. Higgins going to put up big numbers. And I, I think, can we just get it over with? Right, Gabriel Davis is not good. We know that. And it was one thing when he was running all the routes. But now we have Khalil Shakir. Khalil Shakir, you go to playerprofiler.com. We're talking about a 40% dominator rating. We're talking about speed and burst. That's what Khalil Shakir has that Gabriel Davis doesn't. And so as the as the year goes on, we're going to see more and more and more opportunities cannibalized from Gabriel Davis going to Khalil Shakir. He's with the best handcuff wide receiver of the year. If you're ever going to just draft a, a, a wide receiver or pick up a guy off the waiver wire and say, this is a handcuff pick. Anything happens to Diggs, anything happens to Gabriel Davis, plus there's the opportunity, like with a Chuba Hubbard, that, hey, this guy's just better. And by the halfway point in the season, the team realizes it because oftentimes they're the last ones to realize it. The fantasy gamers realize it first. The team is last to figure it out. And they're like, wait a second. Actually, as it turns out, uh, this uh, Khalil Shakir guy can play. He's been, on the, he's been on your team the entire year. And you keep putting Gabriel Davis out there. Gabriel Davis, whose gloves, you know, because he has bad hands, so his gloves keep extending. You notice the... The sleeve on the gloves keeps getting longer and longer until it's taking up his entire forearm. So let me get this straight. He's he's not explosive. He has bad hands. He runs sloppy routes. He's just a guy that's there. Oh, I heard he's a good blocker, right? He's a good blocker. Great, great, great. But then you have a guy like a Nikola Shakir who's actually a, a high-quality professional receiver, and you're doing your quarterback a great service having him on the field with Kincaid and with Diggs it's probably time to dump Gabriel Davis. Certainly, you're dropping him from your fantasy team. It's over, right? But the Bills, the Bills need to look in the mirror and say, Gabriel Davis, you're out!
when it's the Carolina defense and Tyson Badgett will struggle to get to 100 yards, even in deeper leagues, I'm going to be benching DJ Moore and say, Gabriel Davis, you're out! Top 10 takeaways. Off we go. Mmm! Mmm! You hate it. I know you hate it. Byron Pringle was more efficient, right? Byron Pringle was better. Cam Akers out with an Achilles, second Achilles. I mean, that's that's a Greek tragedy right there. Cam Akers is a Greek tragedy. But Josh Dobbs, right? Josh Dobbs, that's a romance. That's a Shakespearean romance. But if you could just give me a little of that Josh Dobbs rushing love, I'd love it even more. As athletic as Michael Pittman, and now he's out-targeting Michael as athletic as Michael Gallup, and now he's out-targeting Michael Gallup. He was going before Jamar Chase in rookie drafts. That's a thing that happened. It's a thing. It's a look it up. It's a thing that happened. Okay. If this isn't the game and the performance, the dud, to teach people once and for all to fade these chalk number two wide receivers. Knocking on the door. Hello? Hello, is Joe Burrow there? 